Lord God, help us to want to want to take your word and your spirit and to spread it all around. We pray, Lord, this morning to be filled anew with your spirit, to yield more to your spirit. Move in our hearts and our minds and our strength, our weaknesses to love you, to spread your word around. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. So my name is Philip Jones, and uh, it's great to be back here. Uh, I was senior pastor a while back, and then uh, now bishop in the Anglican Mission in America. I'm here for confirmation, but also it's just great to be together with you in this new place. And I think let's give a round of applause to Emmanuel Baptist Church and thank them so much for their generosity. It's incredible. As I said in the earlier service, denominational walls are breaking down. There's more cooperation happening between groups of churches that really hold the same values, uh, even between Protestant, Catholic, and Orthodox churches. And I think, oh, that's a wonderful um, reality and a wonderful change, actually, over the past uh, several decades. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Here's the question. What has the church taught you to expect? when you come to worship? Not just St. Andrews, but just the church in general, your church background, whatever it may be. And there's a lot of good answers. Uh, and, and there's maybe a lot of fuzzy answers. Uh, but what has the church taught you to expect? This morning, we wanted to meet in this environment of expectation. In fact, I think we always want to meet in the environment of expectation. Our passage from the book of Acts is all about that, as I'll explain in a moment. I'm the senior pastor of a church in Dallas called All Saints Dallas. And um, this summer we're going through the book of Acts. As the church is reopening and as we've re reopened in Dallas and you can come without your mask and all those kinds of things, I just thought it would be a good thing for people to look again at the blueprint of what the early church looked like and to kind of look at our lives in light of that. Over this past year, the, uh, God has, has allowed, certainly, uh, the rug to be pulled out from the whole world, uh, especially the church life, and I think that's a good thing. I think it can be very helpful, uh, even though some hard things happened during that time, uh, because lots of people are really asking the question, well, not where do I go to church, but why do I go to church? And do I need to keep going to church? And what's the church really about? Is it about, you know, fellowship? Well, yeah. Uh, is it about taking care of my needs when I have issues? Well, yeah. But it's also a reality that the church primarily exists for the sake of those who aren't a part of it. Have you thought about that? And there's something that the Lord gives us that we call power. And I'm going to talk about power this morning. Word, deed, and power. We're going to talk about it in light of this uh, uh, story from the book of Acts. But also just to recalibrate our thinking. Now, I know St. Andrew's Church, and I know the leadership of St. Andrew's Church, so I know uh, that there's that sense of power in His Word, power in the Spirit, power in the strength of gathering together, power in the sacraments. So we talk about the name of commission in America, St. Andrew's, All Saints, other churches in, in our group, we talk about the three streams, right? The scriptures, the sacrament, and the spirit. All those working together. Another way to talk about that is word, deed, and power. If I were to ask you right now, 
to raise your hand, which of those three do you feel the most comfortable with? A lot of it would raise your hands with the word, uh, uh, excuse me, with the word, word, in the scriptures, whatever. A lot of you would feel real comfortable with the word deed. Probably a lot of you raise your hands. Usually not as many people raise your hands with the word power. So I want to reset, help reset the expectation. Not because I want it, but because of what God has given us. Through faith in Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do I do that? Because that's what the Scripture clearly tells us. I'm not making this up. And it's not about faith in power or faith in faith. It's faith in Jesus who gives us this Holy Spirit, who indwells us with power. The Greek word for power is dynamos, which we get the word dynamite from. Very few Christians I've met really operate out of that dynamic power. Now, by that, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. When, when I talk about power, I'm not saying you just get everything that you want or that you just give all your needs to the Lord and they're all going to be answered because you've got power. Uh, no, it's, it's His power, not your power. It's our humility and our heart being lifted up to the Lord and saying, Lord, operate in and through me, through your Holy Spirit, in the power that you lead me to exercise for you and for your kingdom because of my faith in you. So, for example... If you look at the scriptures, uh, the Holy Spirit prophesied all through the Old Testament and then given really after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus breathed on the disciples the Holy Spirit. The word to breathe is the word breath, wind, air, spirit. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit. It's in John chapter 20. There now, the Holy Spirit is within them for conversion to Jesus, to know who Jesus is. Eyes were opened up, putting their faith in Jesus and following Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit within them, okay? But at the end of the Gospel of Luke and the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus himself talks about, wait here for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Notice the two prepositions. One is in you for your sake, for your conversion to come to Jesus. You can't know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. The other one is to come upon you with power for the sake of others. Wait, he told his disciples, until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard that phrase, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's all through Scripture. It's in the book of Acts. It's on the words of Jesus himself in the four Gospels. Wait until the power comes upon high, uh, from upon high, and then you will go out. And we know that in Acts chapter 2, that power came upon them. And as it came upon them, then they were sent out. And so the book of Acts is a way of looking at this is what church can look like with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when you look at the book of Acts and you see the different things that churches have done, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad and there's a lot of ugly. <laughs> So it doesn't mean we get everything right and understand everything. But what it does mean is that as God's power uh, moves forth in people, there's going to be a, a confrontation with the world, a confrontation with the darkness, a confrontation with the world and the darkness inside of us as well as outside, as well as outside of us, right? And so there's going to be good, bad, so lots of good, and that's what we're going to see today. But there's also lots of bad. I mean, uh, People are thrown in prison. People are beheaded. 
Uh, people are bitten by snakes. I mean, there's all kind of bad stuff. And then there's some really ugly stuff in the church. I mean, some, some uh, Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, that was kind of ugly. You know, I mean, they made these promises and all that, and then poof, they're dead because they didn't come through with their promises. So if you made a tie to the church, well, watch out. The, um, <laughs> but the point of it is, uh, but we see, we see so the good, bad, and ugly, but, but uh, nevertheless, it's, still, it's that power. It's that power. Word, deed, and power. Boy, I really never thought about that. Again, I go back to the question, what has the church taught you to expect? We ought to be coming to church every time we come to church with expectation. Less of us and more of Him. We don't know what that's going to look like. We don't know how it's going to work out. But rather than coming and thinking, oh, I really ought to be, I really want to be doing something else this morning. Can we come with expectation? Hmm. Let's look at this passage. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 3. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, we're going to look at this passage, just, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it and, and to run through it. I know that you probably have heard it and read it before, uh, but this is kind of in a, in a different context uh, about this word, deed, and power. Now, another way we talk about who we are here at St. Andrews, uh, Robert and the staff and Dustin and everyone else, is that uh, we are a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching, Spirit-filled, liturgical church. And that word liturgical, you know, that throws people off sometimes and they don't know exactly what that means and, and uh, that's real boring when you go through liturgy and all that kind of stuff. But you're, you're evidence that it's not real boring because you're here. <laughs> and you're here with expectation. So we're going to see in this little passage all those working out. Christ-centered, Bible-teaching, Spirit-filled liturgical people. Peter and John are going to the temple at a particular hour. It's a liturgy of the hours. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That's when you go to, go to the temple to pray. So there's something in that rhythms of the liturgy that we appreciate in our Anglican tradition that says, okay, this is, this is what we do. But they're going with expectation, and they're going as spirit-filled, newly spirit-filled followers of Christ based on what the Scriptures have said about this power and the Holy Spirit was going to come. So we already see they're Christ-centered, because they've seen the risen Jesus. They're Bible-believing because they know this power prophesied in Scripture. Uh, Spirit-filled people because on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came upon them, liturgical people. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But they're not just kind of going in a rote kind of way. They're not just showing up with their arms crossed. Oh, what's God going to do today? Or I wish I were playing baseball. Whatever it is. Uh, but, but they're going there with expectation. How do we know this? Because as they come to the temple gates, there's a guy that's been lame from birth. Peter and John sees him. He looks at them asking for alms because that's been his whole life's expectation. He's sitting on the outside of the temple courts. He can't even go into the temple. Why? Because he's lame. So he sits on the court of the Gentiles because that's the only place he can be. He can't go inside. Peter and John are about to go inside. He looks at them asking for alms. And then Peter says on behalf of Peter and John, Silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Christ-centered, in the name of Jesus, Bible-believing, Spirit-filled liturgical people. Here it is, right there on the paper in the Scriptures themselves. Acts chapter 3. 
Luke is a doctor. Luke is the one who wrote the book of Acts. And notice how Luke describes, first, his ankles got strong, excuse me, his feet, his ankles, his, his legs, he gets up, he walks, he runs, and he jumps. And we see this progression of strength by strength by strength that comes upon this lame person. Why? Because of power. Because of Jesus' power. Because of faith in Jesus. But Peter and John had the boldness to say, silver and gold, I don't really have what you think you need, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. I'm going to give you what you really need. And there's another point of instruction for you and for me, for the whole world. We have the only thing that can really change the hearts in the whole world, and that's the transforming power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. At the end of the day, it's not going to be politics or economics or social change or revolution. They all you know, have their place, I guess. But the point of it is what's really going to take place that can transform the hearts is Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. So that's why I say we can come with expectation. Why? Because we are supernatural people. What do I mean by that? I mean that you're created in the image of God. Every person who walks this earth, whether they believe it or not, is created in the image of God. They are supernatural people. We're not just created just to kind of be born, live, die, and that's it. Ryan Anderson, an author who's written several books, uh, we heard him speak several weeks ago in Dallas, and this is what he said about being supernatural. Listen closely. This is really good stuff. Today's challenge in the world is not about the doctrine of God, but rather the doctrine of man, of what it means to be human. The divide, he says, is not between the Protestants and the Catholics. The divide is between those people who believe that we are supernatural people and those people who don't. That's the divide. Now, we have to recognize there's some of that in us if we're not careful. Sometimes we just say, well, I'm only human, so of course I screwed up. <laughs> but rather, Jesus shows us what it means to be fully human. I am so human, I didn't screw up. Because I went to Him because of the power that's within me. I recognize my need for the Holy Spirit. I recognize my need that I am a supernatural person. A creation, a supernatural person. Not because I've earned it or deserved it. Not because I'm Superman and get everything right. That's not it. I'm made in the image of God. If I'm made in the image of God, it's God Himself who wants to work His power in and through each one of you to make a difference for His kingdom in the world. That's the divide is between the natural and the supernatural. That's the only thing we really have to offer the whole world. So, uh, we have this prophecy that Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power is going to come upon you for the sake of other people. He's in you for your sake. He's upon you for the sake of other people. The power comes. They go to the temple gates. They see that what happens. And now this man can run into the temple gates. He can run into the very, uh, uh, the very audience of, of the high God himself. He's no longer destined just to be on the margins of society. And that's what the transforming work of Jesus Christ does. Now, notice what happens. And I'm not going to go through it right now. But in, in the speech by Peter, uh, in the next, like, ten verses, Peter gives a speech. And what he points to is that this all came about through faith in Jesus, through faith in the reality of who Jesus is. 
In other words, if you see in the book of Acts, most of the book of Acts doesn't talk about the teachings of Jesus or even the parables of Jesus, but who Jesus is. He is the Son of God, risen from the dead, pouring out the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who brought this about. It's Jesus who can bring this about in you and me. It's not faith in faith itself. It's faith in Jesus and who he is. And so when you look at the rest of the story, then we see this kind of worked out, and, and all this brings about this reality of being supernatural people. Now, uh, let, let me offer a modest proposal for you and for me. And the modest proposal is this. You may walk by a lame person or someone who's in a wheelchair and say, get up in the name of Jesus and walk, and nothing happens. And you may think to yourself, well, there's no power. That, that, that's all, that's all just, just something that happened 2,000 years ago. I'm telling you, there are three main reasons why people today in the church, in the United States and across the world, don't believe or don't understand about the power of the Holy Spirit. And here are the three reasons. One, it's been abused. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you've heard of it, maybe you've experienced it, you know, and you've seen hypocrisy or fake healings or whatever it is, all right. Number two, people have never heard about the Holy Spirit. That's not true at St. Andrews. I know it's not true because I know your leadership. I know Robert. I know Dustin. I know what they teach. I know what they're preaching. So I know that's not true. But a lot of churches, a lot of people that are coming to churches where I've been, we never heard of the Holy Spirit. We never had a balanced teaching on the Holy Spirit. We just have told that was a long time ago, and it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible, and that's it. And then there's a third reason. But, well, we have theological differences. We think all the signs and wonders and the miracles stopped some time ago. When that day was, I, I don't know. And Okay, I mean, I, I know people believe that, and, and they can have their beliefs, but that's not what the Bible tells us. And that's not what the experience of people for 2,000 years has been. It doesn't mean always when we pray for something we're going to get everything we want. I get that. It doesn't mean that if you just walk by a lame person today and say, well, I'm going to do what Peter and John did. Well, we don't do it because Peter and John did it. We do it because we listen to the Father on Father's Day. Good idea. Listen to the Father. Be so close to the Father, you do what the Father does. That's what Jesus does. And so I, I want to uh, offer a modest proposal. And here it is. It's something we can all do. And it's just kind of the beginning of other things that we can do. Now, I don't know many of you are probably already doing this, but here it is. It's just five words. We can have an encounter with people with the risen Jesus inside of us through the Holy Spirit by asking or by saying these five words, May I pray for you. Let's practice that. Let's say it together. May I pray for you. Well, where's all this coming from? Well, it's this life-on-life life kind of stuff. And here again, it doesn't mean that every encounter you have with somebody, we're supposed to ask that, ask that question because, you know, you may be in the middle of a lawsuit in a courtroom, and that's not a good time to be asking that. But, but the point of it is, is that we can more often in our daily contact with people, whether it's in restaurants or family or friends or whatever it is, and, and they say something to you about what they're going through. Like after the first service, so many people came up and said, Oh, wow, you know, I'm going through this situation, this situation. So I said, well, may I pray for you? And, and it kind of catches people off guard, even inside the church. <laughs> and it shouldn't. It should be something that's a regular part of expectation that we come. And then when we pray for the people, we, we can pray for all kinds of things. 
and, and we can pray over them God's goodness, God's wisdom, God's peace. Whatever it is that they're going through, that, they're, that they're, they might give something to you. I mean, you're talking to a waitress, and they might actually uh, respond, I need prayer for my family. Or, or I need prayer for just patience to get through the day. Or whatever it is, wherever it may be. May I pray for you. That's the beginning of exercising this power. Now let me say something. This, this is really important. This is a quote I heard the other day. I really like this. When we pray, whether it's for healing, whether it's for strength, whether it's for emotional uh, support, or for physical healing, whatever it may be, everything happens when we pray some of the time. But something happens all the time when you pray for people. Everything happens some of the time, but something ha happens all the time when you pray for people. Now, I know that prayer pushes against the flesh that is in us, the ages, either doesn't believe it really can happen, B, I don't want to bother God, C, I'm just tired right now and I don't want to deal with it, whatever it is, the flesh really pushes against it, and so does the dark forces inside of us and outside of us really push against it. So let me encourage you here at St. Andrew's Church, persevere, persevere, persevere. You're on the front lines of things here in Little Rock and beyond. We're all on the front lines. As the Lord has kind of pulled out the rug from under the church over this past season, it's, re it's helping us realize some people are just kind of, we're into cultural Christianity, and now that's gone, well, they're not even going to come back. Every pastor's thinking about that right now. Every pastor's wondering who's coming back. Well, you're back, well, praise God for that. And, and there's, a, there's a number of people who haven't come back yet, and we don't know why. Have they left for good? Have they just quit going to church because it was just, well, maybe it wasn't all that important anyway. I like the weekends to myself. Or are they going to other churches? Or uh, they just haven't come back here, but they're going to come back here? Lots of it we don't know. And so I ask your prayers for Robert and Dustin, the staff, because they're thinking through all these things. But the point of it is, as God has allowed this to happen, pull out the rug a bit out from under us, now we can say, well, what's this really about? Why do I even go to church? I go back to my first question. What has the church taught you to expect? I believe, this isn't the only way of doing it, but I believe the Spirit-filled, Bible teaching, Christ-centered, liturgical way gives life. In a moment, you're going to receive communion. The Holy Spirit is in the, uh, the, the bread and the wine to be the body and blood of Christ. The very presence of Christ is going to be there. In a few moments, we're going to confirm some people in this church and we'll lay hands upon them. And these are the same hands that were laid upon me that were laid upon that person that go all the way back to the time of Christ. So they say, but the point of it is, is as I lay hands upon them, I'm praying for power. I'm praying for authority. I'm praying to be able to exercise that what God has given us to expect more. I'm praying to St. Andrews. I'm praying that Philip Jones would expect more. Why? Because I know this. God delights in you. Hear that? You've got to hear that. We sang it just a moment ago. Sometimes in my prayer, when I'm brave enough, I will pray this prayer in the morning uh, quietly to myself. God, I know you delight in Philip Jones. Do you know how hard it is to say that prayer? It's a lot easier for me to say God delights in Kimberly because I don't know what Kimberly's thinking. I don't know her inner motivations. I don't know what she's gone through. I know what I've been thinking sometimes. I know some of my inner motivations, and they're not always that pretty. And, and sometimes I don't delight in myself. So God, how can you delight in me? 
Because he does. Because of what Jesus has done at the cross for all of us. Can you pray that prayer? God, I know you delight in filling your name. See how it feels to you. All that is to say is to try to help us to see the power that's in us to make a difference in the world. Die to the flesh. Get up and carry the cross and move forward. There's a power. There's a strength. There's a Holy Spirit that's there for you and for me to walk in that kind of way. What is it the church has taught you to expect? Is the divide really, as I think it is, between those people who see everything in the natural realm and those who see everything in the supernatural realm? Silver and gold, I don't have. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. That's power. That's Him. Through faith in Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You, Lord, that we can come to expect more. We thank You, Lord God, of what You're calling us to be and to do. May I pray for You a modest proposal to be sure but one that we can all exercise, one that we can all have hope in, to realize we are supernatural people made in the image of God. In whose name we pray, amen.